Well, hello, everybody. And it's Sunday again. Boy, time flies, doesn't it? I know I've been running around with my chicken like a head cut off here uh, this week. We, next Saturday, folks, the Alaskans will land for a month. All the kiddies, now my four grandkids and my daughter are coming in for a month. They haven't been here for a year. They were here last May. And so, anyway, so, yeah, it's... And living in, you know, four kids uh, from a year and a half, three boys uh, from four to eight, and then one da- uh, granddaughter from uh, a year and a half. So it's going to be interesting. The last time the granddaughter was here, Audrey, she uh, was three months old and didn't do anything. Now she's running around and, and saying everything's pretty. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. So I, well, we'll see how every Sunday for the month of May, how I am doing or if I'm coming here to sleep. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, this is the last Sunday of the month. So we got Dr. Jessica Levy uh, on on here in the studio. So if you've got any vet questions, health questions for your dog or your cat, please uh, call them in. We're going to be talking about a 4D test that is usually this is spring. Everybody's thinking vaccinations and spot on, flea pick control and stuff like that. So we're just going to kind of run you through the spring fling of what norm, normal people do and maybe what you should reconsider. And along with taking all your questions. Say, Rachel, how is your guy? And how is your new pupper doing now? Your new pupper's name is what? Gus. Gus, that's right. Okay. And so, uh, now, what did you say Gus was? He's uh, a mix of a bunch of stuff. Okay. But he has some shepherd in him. Okay. How big is he right now? Do you have any idea how many pounds? Oh, gosh. I don't remember. Um, He's still pretty small. Okay. Okay. How old is he? Four months? Yeah, he's well. He's about three months. Three months. Oh, okay. 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 You know, at any time you can ask me any of your questions. You know. Yeah, I, but you I were talking about the zoomies. You yeah. know, every dog goes through the zoomies. Uh, usually, you can set your clock. They usually be between ten and eleven, and five and six. Mm-hmm. Just get out of the way. Don't control it. Don't do anything. Just get up off the couch, out of, out of his way, and let him go. <laughs> and so, because it's nature's way, every pup does it, and it's just a nature's way of giving the heart. You know, taking that energy and just. You know, throwing it out there. Some it lasts for a minute. Some it lasts up to a three minutes. Mm-hmm. And then they stop. They kind of almost lay down and go, I feel better now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but if you try to do anything with them during that time, no, they're going to nip at you, jump at you, the whole kit and caboodle. Don't even just let it, let that burst go and, and then move on. Okay. Okay. And some dogs are worse with it than others. Mm-hmm. Usually the zoomies go from two times a day to one, you know, maybe around three and a half, four months. And then by the time they hit five, five and a half months, uh, they'll have a zoomie here and there, but it's not like clockwork. Okay. <laughs> so just, just hang on. Like I said, get out of the way. Uh-huh. Don't ask them to sit down, stay, nothing, or, or yell at them, knock it off, because they're just not in their right mind at that time. So mm-hmm. it's just like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Uh, but hopefully you guys got some good questions. And then uh, what else is new in our house? Uh, nothing. Jake's still, my horse is still doing good. Gillian's doing good. Uh, then uh, there's going to be new ads coming out for Nutrisource. Nutrisource has got this new, it's called Kumpucha. Kumpucha. And what it is, is you know how there's Kumbucha, you know, for humans to drink that, you know, it's good fermentation and good for your gut. Now, Kumpucha is a uh, bone broth with uh, postbiotics in it. And anyway, so what it is, is it goes right to good gut health and right to just, uh, you know, boosting the immune system. So you're going to be hearing ads and we'll be talking more about kombucha. If you want to learn more about it, what it is, it's in a pouch 
and you just twist open, and then you put it over the, your dog's food. Well, actually, my cats love it too. I put it over their food, and then um, when you, and then you just reseal it, and then you put it in the refrigerator, and then you use it the next time you want. You can put as much or as little as you want, you know, on it. But it comes in a pouch, a resealable pouch. And so and it's really easy to open. If I can open it, it's easy open <laughs> pouch. So yeah, so go to nutrisourcepetfoods.com and check out their new kombucha. Also new with Nutrisource, they have a. Um, it's gonna they're gonna be in stores here shortly. And what it is is it's called. Um, Yes, I now I totally have a brain fluff there. It, it, what they do is they've created an organization within their company where they they spotlight and then they back some uh, really uh, people doing good deeds and uh, people groups that are doing good things for animals and and uh, humans. You know, like Pinky uh, PinkySwear dot com, a Soldier Six dot org, uh, uh, Bentley um, Bentley Foods uh, uh, treats. And so, but you just have to go over there to the NutrisourcePetFoods.com and learn about their Shining Star program. And by buying the Shining Star uh, uh, treats that they're, they're coming out with, 100% of those profits are going to go towards this program that will put the spotlight and help uh, these groups that are doing good things for animals and for uh, for people. So check out the Shining Star on uh, NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Just as late, 100% of that profit, so buying that treat. Uh, I think it comes in beef. I think it comes in bacon, cheese, beef, and chicken, I think. I'm trying to pull this up. I didn't put it up on my screen. So I'm doing this from memory here. So hopefully my memory hasn't, you know, <laughs> done anything bad. <laughs> But, and then, uh, what else? Uh, yeah, if you guys got anything that's coming up now that spring is opening, you know, if you got a fundraiser coming up, uh, give, send me an email and we'll put it on the show. Or you can call into the show and you can, uh, be, give a short, uh, hello and, and then give, uh, the particulars of your particular nonprofit fundraiser that might be coming up. All right. Uh, no birthday parties. We don't be announcing birthday parties or anything like that. This is just something that will help. Yeah, there again, what Nutrisource does is to shine a star on ones that are helping yeah, people that help people and uh, animals. Okay. All right. Uh, like I said, today, now we're going to be working with the spring. We're going to be talking uh, shots, vaccinations, uh, uh, natural flea and tick. And also, too, now people are starting to work on their yards already, I've noticed. And so you want to really think about doing things naturally. All right. Now, my yard is one big, huge field of dandelions. And so I feed the bur- the bees a lot. <laughs> but And I don't care. They When they mow, once they go to seed, they mow just as good as the rest of the grass. And so that's why you want to really think about maybe doing things more organic or natural. Uh, you can call uh, Steve up at the Hugo Feed Mill. He can cornmeal spread on your lawn. Well, you usually have to do it three times a year. And what, like when the, when the dandelions go to seed, when you spread cornmeal on your lawn, it sterilizes the seed so no new plants will start. But you have to deal with the old plants. And so you can talk to Steve up at the Hugo Feed Mill. Or you can go Organic Lawns by Lunseth, L-U-N-S-E-T-H. They're all about it. That's their whole business is doing organic lawns. And it usually takes about, once you decide to go organic and get the chemicals out of there, it takes about three years to build that good, strong, healthy. Uh, so you got to be patient. But it's well worth, uh, whereas you're doing something good for our environment, your kids, your grandkids, your fur kids, yourself. So that's really, let's try to nick the chemicals. Uh, and besides that, the fertilizer industry and everything has gone right through the rough. 
as far as the cost of it. I mean, my husband's a farmer, and he couldn't believe the cost of fertilizer for fertilizing the feed. He's never, ever in his whole life uh, ever paid that kind of money for fertilizer. So maybe it's time to look at doing things more naturally, you know, though, because it's uh, it, we, we got to do this for us now and for the kids then, all right? All right. Uh, let's uh, run to break. Uh, if you got a question, you can give a holler, 651-641-1071, 651-641-1071, for myself or for Dr. Holistic Vet, Dr. Jessica Levy. Okay, here's the first trivia question. This, this is funny trivia. Okay, you ready? What was the first commonly used as a contraceptive in ancient e- Egypt? Okay. Uh, <coughs> no, excuse me. Oh, no, i got to get closer to the screen. I can't see it. Okay, arsenic, cat guts, crocodile dung, or flafio, flafa, F-A-L-A-F-E-L. That, arsenic, cat guts, or crocodile dung. So we'll be back. Are we back? I'm not paying attention. Me and Dr. Jessica are, are jabbering around here. Okay, what is the most common... Okay, what was commonly used as a contraceptive in ancient G- uh, uh, Egypt? Uh, that F-A-L-A-F-E-L, uh, arsenic, cat guts, or crocodile dung? You know, doo-doo. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to go with the cat one. Oh, cat guts? Yeah. What do you think, Dr. Jess? Oh, I'm voting for crocodile poo all yep. the way. Yeah, crocodile poo, that's it. Oh Some researchers believe that the pH level of the crocodile done might have actually killed the sperm, but no one has ever volunteered to test this it's theory. kill something. <laughs> but you know it's not falafel. Falafel is one of the best foods on the planet. Is, oh, that is that how you say that, falafel? Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? I don't know. What What is it? Is it a plant? Chickpeas. Chickpeas. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, but look at- with with spices and cilantro and stuff, but you can't get good falafel in the states. Oh, okay, heck of a deal. Okay, let's head to the phone lines, get those guys taken care of, and then hopefully we'll me and Dr. Jess will cover our subjects too. Go for it. Okay, we've got Laura, and Laura is needs help training her two year old dog. All right, hi Laura, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. What kind of pupper do you got? I have a American Staffordshire Terrier. Okay, and how old? Two years old. Oh, and how long have you had them? Four days. Four days. Okay. <laughs> well, congrats, congratulations on becoming a new mom. <laughs> Thank you. So what's going on? Well, um, he's nipping. He's um, The potty training's not good. Uh-huh. Um, when he's on his leash, he's just really, really excited and starts tug-of-warring. And- okay. He doesn't know. I don't think he knows the, the difference between training and playtime or okay. seriousness and playtime. Oh, yeah. Of course not. He hasn't been trained. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so what, one big party. Right. <laughs> so what you need to do is you need to get in some kind of an, uh, an obedience class so you can, you can get organized. The pup can get organized. Okay. Uh, I got classes coming up on uh, my April's are booked, but May I still got some openings in. Or you can set up a private class. We got to get the right training collar. We got to show him what the manners are that we need, like sit means. You know, when you say sit, if he doesn't sit, then you place him in the sit. Have uh, Then when you go for that, he's to walk politely at your side and not even feel that you got on a loose lead, that you don't even know you got a dog at the end of that. And that all comes by having the right training collar. And then, um, you know, just set, set up your manners and so follow through because tend to why the reason why this dog is in the system is because he has no manners. Nobody's taking the time to show him what manners are and what the consequence is if there's not, you know, if he doesn't listen. 
just like when he was with mom, you know, if he's hanging off a of mom's tail, you know, that, that that's fun to him, right? Well, the consequences, mom doesn't want her tail in his mouth. And so mom would growl. And if he didn't listen, then she'd whip around and grab the pup around the neck with her teeth and squeeze. All right. The pup would yelp. And then uh, mom, uh, the pup would let go. And then mom would let go. And then the pup would back away. And a little bit later, the pup would come up, you know, like, hey, let's try that again. And mom would give a growl, like, don't even think it. <laughs> and the pup would go, okay, got it. No, I get it. I get it. So the dogs learn by trial and error. You do this, this happens. You do that, that happens. Okay. okay. So that's why we've got to get you. Um, a lot of dogs come into the system because people think they're going to outgrow the jumping on people, outgrow dragging you down the leash. I mean, down the road on the leash and so no what the dogs that um have manners have been taught the manners just like two-legged kids you know you have a polite kid we go up and say thank their mom and dad because they're the one installed the manners all right and so that's what we got to do with you you got to get you into some kind of training so we can organize you and the new pupper you know as far as the the potty training don't give him freedom in the house because he hasn't earned that yet you're going to keep me in the kennel when you don't have time or on a leash when you do have time with you and then when you take them out to go potty, you stand still, have a 15-foot line or whatever. And then you're going to say, go potty, go potty, or get busy, get busy. And then when he does go potty, you're going to call me and go, thank you. Don't say good boy or good girl. That gets them all nutsy in the headsy. It's like saying, Reese's. Mm-hmm. And so what you want to do is when they do go potty, oh, good potty. Very nice. Good potty. Maximum time out for a Minnesota dog is two minutes. Right? If two minutes comes up and he hasn't gone potty, then bring him back in. Keep him on the line, wait a minute or two, take him back out and try it again, all right? All right. And so he doesn't get any freedom in the house. Now, if he does a piddle and a doo-doo outside, let's say morning you should always get a piddle and a doo-doo. So when he comes in, if he's done that, then what you do is that he can have a little bit of freedom, but he has to be in the same room as you. He can't leave your the room you're in, all right? Okay. okay, otherwise, if he hasn't, you put him in his kennel or you keep him tied to you. you got to control the situation so he can understand, learn, and you don't get frustrated because he's, you know, he, oh, there, you found another puddle over here and you found a, you know, a, a pile over there. You know, don't even set yourself up for that. Is he kennel trained? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Start feeding him in the kennel periodically throughout the day. Put him in there for here and out, here and there. So it just doesn't associate with you leaving, whether you go to bed or leave the house with the kennel. Always leave the door open if he does, but what he does eventually have freedom in the house so that he can use the kennel as well on his basis, just not on yours. Okay. Okay. But so you got to control the situation. So first tackle getting this potty training, what it's called and where it goes. All right. Don't play any tug of war games. Okay, that teaches a dog to assert themselves no matter what breed you have. It teaches a dog to go up against you, and I don't believe in that. So they, they you want to play calm games like hide and seek, uh, hide some treats around the house, uh, get a uh, trick book, start teaching tricks. But you don't want to do any games that are wrestling or teaches a dog to go up against you. And especially if you got any kind of bully breed, okay, then what happens, that teaches him to really be a bully towards you, to be real pushy. And we don't want that. We want calmness, okay? Okay. Okay, and then also another thing that you can do to teach him just to calm down, uh, just a plain buckle collar, take a nylon leash, put like three-quarters of the leash on a chair and sit on that leash. Now fold your arms. Okay, and then uh, don't look at him, don't pet him, don't do anything. This, remember the invisible dog? You want to teach him to calm himself down by himself. 
So sit on the leash and ignore him. If he tries to come up into your face or put his paws on you, turn your head to one side. So a side profile is a calming signal. And extend, you know, you got your hand on the one wrist. So then just extend your arms out and bump him and give him a growl. Ah, just like that. But don't look at him. Keep your head sideways. Side profile is a calming signal. So what you are teaching the dog with this real simple simple thing to do is how to be respectful of your your space not to come up into your face and space and to calm themselves down by themselves so by sitting on the leash and ignoring the dog it's called the invisible dog then just uh do it for a minute five minutes a half hour whatever when he gets good at it then he can start you know talking on the phone doing computer stuff reading a book watching tv but at first here until they learn it you want to be ready to bump them in case they wanted to come up into your face okay Okay. so start out with that but then like i say look at my schedule you know my katie canine schedule and see if anything if you want to do a private lesson or if you want to do a um an hour for 95 dollars or you can do mm-hmm. a class, okay? But you need to get organized and get to organize your dog so this dog is a forever home. You don't get so frustrated about the whole thing, okay? Okay. Okay, kiddo. Good luck. Thank you so much. You bet. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye. Yep, getting that new dog and a pushy dog, too. So, oh, one of my classes this week I had this beautiful boxer, beautiful boxer. Oh, my Lord, you talk about swinging from the chandeliers. That dog she came flying into that room. It was unbelievable. And this sitting on the leash thing that I was just talking about, that dog was up over the top of her, putting her on her shoulders and the whole kit and caboodle. And I kept telling her, keep your head sideways, bump them off, bump them off. You know, and this it, the dog is just beautiful. It's, it's a female. And anyway, um, uh, so it, it, and I just I was amazed at how she hung in there. Because he, that boxer was really giving her a run for her money. Anyway, finally, the dog just kind of all of a sudden sat, went, hmm, what's going on here? You just see the gears going in the head. Then he'd, he'd look at her like, I think I'll try it again. But each time it got less, like, bring it on, you know, a little bit more light. I'm going to poke you a little bit to see if you poke you. Uh, by, let's see, we sat down. Because every time when the class, we sit down and talk, everybody has to sit on their leashes and ignore the dog. By the time we got to the last 20 minutes of class, the dog looked at her, looked at me, laid down, perfect angel. But boy, we started out pretty rough. <laughs> so that invisible dog sitting on the leash and ignoring the dog is huge, huge. Something so simple, but you just, it's, it's unbelievable in how, how simple it, it is. So who's up next? Well, we do have Yvonne on the line, but um, we are going to go to break soon here. Okay, so. well, while we wait for her then, did you say Yvonne? Yep, Yvonne. Okay. Yvonne, okay. Yeah, Yvonne, we'll get to you after break, okay? So, and then after Yvonne, then what we'll do is we'll talk to Dr. Jess about the uh, the 4D test, all right? Okay, well, here's the trivia. Who is the only member of the band ZZ Top that didn't have a beard? Tom Stubble, Steve Fuzz, Bobby Bristles, or Frank Beard? Be back. Hey, thanks for staying with the Katie Canine Show. I greatly appreciate it. Okay. Which is the only member of the band, ZZ Top, that didn't have a beard? Was it Tom uh, Stubbles, Steve Fuzz, Bobby Bristles, or Frank Beard? What do you think there? Gosh, are are those actually their last names? Yep. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know ZZ Top. Uh, they're all beard related, so it's hard to picture one without one. Is it the, I'm going to go with beard. All right. So that's what Dr. Levy did it, and she got it. Bing, bing, bing. It's oh, Frank nice. Beard. 
Oh, the drummer of ZZ Top was a former member of the Cellar Dwellers, the Hustlers, the Warlocks, and the American Blues. He's the only one that didn't have a beard. And how funny is that? His last name is Beard. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's head to the phone. All right, Yvonne, um, her cat will pee in the litter box but poop on the carpet. And she ah. doesn't know what to do about that. Okay. Hi, Yvonne. How you doing? Doing good. How about yourself? Good, good. How old's your cat? He just turned two, okay. and um, I called you before when I, they were kittens just to get some advice. But it's a little, so I bought. I have two boys; they're brothers. One's got red hair, red long, silky hair, and he's really overweight. The other one's like normal size, whatever. Anyway, so I'm having problems with the orange kitty. His name's Levi. Okay. And he, when he was a little, tiny kitten, he used to poop in this corner in my dining room before I realized I needed a litter box on both floors. So now okay. I have a litter box upstairs and one downstairs. And he was fine till all of a sudden he got some diarrhea. And so it was sticking to to his butt and to his fur. Uh-huh. So he would be like rubbing his butt around the carpet to try to itch it, which I got after him for that. And then it would stick to his butt. So I was like trying to pull it off. Uh-huh. So now he's gone back to not using it. He'll pee in the litter box, but he'll go poop in that corner in the dining room. Okay. Uh, what food? And, are you, what food are you feeding them? Um, I kind of alternate. I mean, I use. I've been giving them some iron food and then some wet food. Mm-hmm. I did try to go non-grain, but you know, it's just I, you know, I try to buy the best I can that I can afford. Right. But, right. Okay. And then, what litter are you using in your litter box? You know, I kind of vary that as well. It's like it's. I first started using the stuff that was kind of like sand, and then. I got some clumping, but I mean, I haven't really changed anything. It's, I mean, I've had them since they were eight weeks old. Right, right. And it's kind of always been a variety of things. It almost seems like it's more like a behavioral thing yep. or I don't know. I mean, now my, what I just did last night was I moved the litter box over to that corner in yep. the dining room. That's good. That's one thing Thinking I would have Maybe, but I don't, I mean, is this. How is his doo-doos now? What's that? How is his doo-doos now? Is he, are they formed? Yeah, the last, yep. Okay. It, okay. So, last, so literally, I mean, he'll use the potty or the litter box, and then I'll be right there, and he'll just go on, like, just blatantly, just go in the corner and go. Okay. Um, like, but now, as his doodos, are they real hard, like dry? No, no, they're they're pretty soft. Okay. Okay. Because the normal reason, and I'll let Dr. Jess jump in on this too, the main reason why normal dog or cats go outside of the litter box is a couple reasons. Number one, at one time they had a problem, like let's say they, it hurt to go potty because it was so dry. They associate going doo-doo in the litter box, so they put it someplace else, okay? Uh, the food causes, now you said the word I-A-M-S, which you could do a lot better than that. I mean, even... Other ones, yeah, but anyway, so then the thing is, remember, grain-free is a must for cats. They, they're not supposed to have any carbs whatsoever. And so that's why, even if you feed them some hamburger, raw hamburger, if you're have, making a hamburger, feed them some raw hamburger. But anyway, so the whole thing is diet, but then there's also the stress. If you look, a lot of times, are the, if the cats aren't getting along, or there's some stress going on in your house, like a divorce, a lot of yelling, um, things are disheveled, that can cause a, a cat to go outside of the litter box also. Okay, has he gone potty on your bed at all? No, no, okay. Okay, there's... No, he's really good about that. Okay. And, and it's funny because I do get after him because mm-hmm. I feel like he just doesn't look at me like, 
Okay, yeah. Gonna do about, you know, I feel like he's always challenging me. Okay, but now you're going to fight. You better, you better knock that off. Cats hold grudges. Okay? They yeah. remember. Uh, I learned this from a gal a long time ago on my show. That was a cat lady. And so I was one, like, you know, if the cats are fighting, you know, to blast them with water and say, knock it off. Okay? Yeah. And okay, but then she says, we got to see it how the cat sees it. Okay, all of a sudden, I'm in her face with water, okay, and the bad things happen when the other cat's around, even though she made it happen, you know, the other cat. So what you got to do when two cats are fighting, you come in and be the mediator and start petting both of them. Hey, hey, be nice, be nice. So if you're always getting after that cat, that cat's building up a grudge against you, okay? And so the thing is, in his mind, he's uh, not thinking, well, look, I'm going to go poop in the corner because I know that's going to tick her off, but he's upset. And so then routine goes away, goes off. Off. And a part of the routine is going potty, you know, in the in the other in the box. And so that's yeah. a possibility on that that you can't as much as you want to yell at him or get after him. How dare you do that? That causes animosity between you and the cat. And so then what's mm-hmm. going to happen is other things are going to. That's why. And when he starts peeing on your bed, he's really making a statement. Okay, and so that he's not happy with you and he's not happy with the situation. Remember, cats have dogs have masters. Cat has cats have staff. All right. And so the thing is, you just got to understand it. Yes, not the best thing in the world. I get it. All right. But then there's a reason why he's doing it. Now, is this the cat that's too fat or the cat that has? Yeah. And I see the two the same, Mm -hmm. but he like constantly eats. I mean, he just eats nonstop. Right. But see, then a lot of health issues can see that you should not be leaving food out at at all. It's set feeding times once in the morning, once at night. And if anything, like I say, you want to try to rotate off of all dry food and into grain free canned foods. And if you can't do all grain, but you got to do at least a grain free some dry also. So just a minute, okay. I want to let Doctor uh, let Doctor Levy uh, jump in here. Go ahead, Doctor Levy. Um, <clears throat> I think I think your cat just has a physiological problem. This is not a behavior issue. It's not psychological. Cat's not trying to get you back for anything. Hmm. Um, but he hasn't. It's 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 not a constant. I mean, he was doing well, and then mm-hmm. it seemed like once I because I was literally like holding his tail up trying to pull the. Mm-hmm. Trying to clean his butt, and then it seemed like after that, I almost felt like he thought if he went in the litter box, it was going to stick to his fur. But if he went on the carpet, he didn't. You know, I don't know. I right, just- right. But that's still a physiological problem, right? Because your cat's not supposed to have sticky poo. Your cats are not supposed to be overweight. Um, and they're when they rub their butt on the carpet, it's because their anal glands are bothering them. Okay. So it's not. Um, it's not a behavioral thing in the sense that your cat is not thinking, hmm, how can I ruin your day, day today? Right. <laughs> um, well, he looks at me like he's like... Doesn't matter. No, you cannot interpret. It, cats right. cats look at us all the time, and yeah. they're these alien creatures with weird pupils, and yeah. who knows uh, what they're thinking or if they're thinking. Yeah. You know, they're, who knows, directing death threats at us with their <laughs> eyes. Yeah, we don't know. know. We don't know. But I, th- I think... Um, you know, for one thing, when you have two cats from the same litter, particularly if they're both males, that is something that can cause hierarchy issues after a couple of years. So you definitely need to have multiple litter boxes. It is easiest to put litter boxes where the cats are going, because then if that's kind of become their normal uh, toilet spot, then voila, there is a toilet there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I did the same thing when when I moved into the house I live in now. We had nine cats and uh, one day one of the cats went down to the end of the hallway and peed on the carpet. 
And I thought about it for a few minutes, and then I put a litter box there. And my husband was like, really? Really? You're going to put a litter box on the carpet? (laughs) And I said to him, you know what? You have like two options. You can put a litter box where the cat's going, or you can have a reasonable discussion with the cat about why they should not pee in that spot. And just explain it to them. See how that goes. (laughs) So sometimes it's easier with cats just to acquiesce because they have reasons for doing what they're doing. Honestly, I agree with Katie. I think dry food's your problem. I think if you just okay, get rid so, of the dry food, you will, okay. like... How much should I feed them each, like... Cats will never eat more than they need. Okay. And the reason that they eat a lot of dry food is because of the carbohydrate load in the food that's inherent in dry food. They have to eat a lot of it because cats are carnivores. They're just craving protein. Hmm. And so you can absolutely feed one meal of grain-free canned food and hamburger at the next meal. And if you, you know, you could do that every day and be fine. Should I get his, like, poop analyzed to see if he has a problem or? You can. You can certainly have it checked for worms if you haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I have. I just didn't know if, because he has diarrhea some and then it's regular poop, but it could be because I do change up the food. No, I mean, but th- but that's kind of a food problem. So, like, if you were in my office, that'd be the first thing we do: get rid of the dry food. That will clear up so many problems with cats yeah. that, like, you wouldn't even think are related to it. Like the the excess weight, the coat quality, their behaviors, their litter box use, all these things kind of clear up when you get cats off of dry food. And that one that's heavy, if you just get them totally off of all that dry food and just go to the grain-free canned or some raw hamburger or raw chicken, that guy's going to lose weight. And if you don't get the weight off, you're going to have another one. You're going to have diabetes. And now you have to give your do- oh. your do- your cat shots all the time. Right. And and they'll, okay. they'll lose weight. Like, you don't have to count calories. Nope. You don't have to measure out their food. They will limit themselves. You, it's Cats are so kind of... Low maintenance and easy as long as you feed them right. Yeah. It's a, hmm. the difference between what you're feeding now, you're feeding like Chinese food. It's great going down, but two hours later, I'm hungry again. Okay. 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 Compared to eating steak and uh, potatoes or steak and, and lobster. Or if you're a cat, just uh, steak. Just steak. Yeah. There you go. Uh, now that has no carbs because too many carbs makes you hungry, right? If you right. you can't just eat one potato chip, all of a sudden you're eating the whole bag, and then you you get done with that, and then all of a sudden, like 20 minutes later, okay, now what? What else am I going to eat? I'm hungry. You start feeding that mean monster, the carb machine, and so that's why. And all your dry fooders are, are mostly 50 to 60 percent carbs, whether it's dog food or cat food, for you know, the dry. And so then that, and then as the um, and carbs turn into sugar, and sugar turns into fat. All right. And mm. then uh, diabetes. And, and sometimes into diabetes. Yeah. Yep. And into diabetes. So Yeah. But like all these, you know, so cats that have this kind of off on again, off again, sometimes they have looser stools. Sometimes their anal glands bother them. Sometimes the stool sticks to their butt. It's it's all about the guts. It's all about the intestines. And the way to fix the intestines is through food. Yeah. And there's, you know, some good, uh, good quality, lower cost ones, too. You know, so just check around. You know, Nutrisource, of sure. course, got um, awesome food. And then you got uh, Dave's, which is a little bit on the lower price range. Um, uh, the, like I said, so the, you can find ones that you can afford, but be, mm-hmm. do better the long run, you know? Yeah, back in the days when I was still feeding canned food, um, honestly, I would drive out to um, uh, St. Croix Falls uh, to go to, uh, what's that store there? Forget Me Not. Yeah, Fur, Get Me Not. Fur. Fur. If you are, get me not. She's still there too. 
Judy has like a massive selection of grain-free canned cat food. It's all grain-free, everything she has, and the best prices. So I used to go out there like every six weeks and just load up. Yeah. So you just food. recommend grain-free wet food, basically feed in the morning yep. and feed at night. And, yeah, and, and then add some raw food. So yep. mm-hmm. if you're making hamburger, give them some raw hamburger. And so your cat apparently is kind of used to change. They're not, you know, too stuffy mm-hmm. about that. So this should go pretty good. Right, and, but, it, but it's the kind of thing. I mean, it's kind of nice. Like you don't, you don't necessarily need to give them any. There's, there's no special supplements right now. There's like nothing you have to do except change get rid of the dry. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Yep. Okay. Just give set feeding times once in the morning, once at night, and because they're going to feel so full by feeding this, and you're not you got it rid of the carbs, they're not going to be screaming every two seconds. Like, okay, sure. I need more, I need more, I need more. Or you see that fat guy sitting by the bowl because he's perpetually hungry because he's eating so many, you know, carbs. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay, because it'll save you a lot of money in the a long run between right, vet pills right. no, and the whole kit and caboodle. So, okay? Mm-hmm. okay, okay. Well, good luck. Well, thank you. You bet. Have a grand day. All right, you too. Bye bye. All right, let's see. Which of the following was a, a an actual NFL team in 1943? Okay, the, the Steagles, the Cowskins, the Cardhawks, or the Braiders? That's the B, Braiders. We'll be back. All right, thanks for hanging in there. Greatly appreciate it. Okay, which of the following was an actual NFL team in uh, 1943? The, where we are, here we go. The Steagles, the Cowskins, the Card Hawks, or the Bra- Braiders? What do you think? I'm going to go with Cowskins. Okay, what do you think, Dr. Jess? I'm going with none of the above. They all sound stupid. <laughs> Actually, it was the Steagles. And because, in 1943, okay, because both teams lost so many players to military service in World War II, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles temporarily combined to to form the Steagles. Oh, goodness. Interesting. So there it's you a go. terrible idea. There you go. <laughs> the Steagles. It's like Puggles. No. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like some weird um, family music group. There you, know? <laughs> you go. <laughs> Okay, spring's upon us. Someday the weather will actually be here, but on the calendar it says spring. <laughs> okay, and there's, I tell my folks that I've learned from you, all right, my students and clients, whatever you want to call them, uh, to get a 4D test in the spring or whatever. You know, some people do their spring checkup and some do a fall checkup, you know, whenever you do your, your mm-hmm. annual visit. Okay, so what, what explain what a 4D is in dog test is. It's the 4DX. Oh, feed 4DX. Okay. X. X, I have not put the X at the end. X makes it extra special. Extra special. Got it. So the 4DX test is a test that veterinarians can run in their offices, and it checks for heartworm, Lyme, Ehrlichia, and anaplasmosis. Okay. But. Anaplasmosis, and you said the other one was Ehrlichia? Ehrlichia. Ehrlichia. And those are two tick diseases, correct? And Lyme. Is a tick-borne disease. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, that's right. I forget about that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. But realistically, the the test for heartworm disease, the or the heartworm part of that test is an antigen test. It's actually looking for heartworm DNA. Okay. That's the part of the test that is reliable. Okay. The other parts of the test, the tick-borne diseases, are the test is supposed to be looking for antibodies. Okay. Um, but it is pretty unreliable. Okay. And so. Um, a few years ago, the company that makes the test, which is um, IDEX, I believe, uh, they changed it a little bit to make the test more sensitive, Okay, which is not necessarily a good thing. So you have these two forces that are always opposing each other. You have sensitivity and specificity. 
So if you make the test more sensitive, it is less specific. Okay. And that means that you are going to get more false positives. Oh, okay. If you make the test too specific, then you lose some sensitivity and you don't detect some of your cases. Uh-huh. But they went the other way. So they made the test more sensitive, which was kind of considered a win-win because, you know, what the heck, you're going to sell more antibiotics. Okay. Uh, which is not necessarily great for the dogs. Okay. So um, I get contacted by people all the time who say, you know, my dog has been diagnosed with Lyme disease and she's on the antibiotics, but they're making her barf and I don't know what to do. She didn't have any symptoms of Lyme disease. Then you don't know if your dog has Lyme disease, basically. Right. That is the great unknown. <laughs> And then there's, you know, there's a lot of controversy about what the what the blue dot means. So if the dot turns blue and your dog does have antibodies to Lyme disease, is that not what you would want to have happen? Right. If I was exposed to Lyme disease, I would want my body to produce lots of antibodies against Lyme disease. Right it off. But yeah, but then like maybe I wouldn't have any symptoms if my immune system is doing what it's supposed to do. Maybe I wouldn't get sick at all. Okay. So um, I think I personally would not really diagnose anything based on those tests except for like even if your dog does test positive for heartworm the very first thing that you would do is you would draw a new blood sample and send it to a lab and say tell me for reals if this is heartworm oh okay you still you always have to confirm okay even the heartworm part of the test which is actually looking for heartworm dna whereas these other tests are just looking for antibodies and i've had it go both ways so i've had cases where um like one of my patients, uh, when I first started treating him, he was hospitalized at Blue Pearl because he had collapsed over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And they had decided that he more than likely had cancer. And um, and the owner came in and told me about all his symptoms. And I said to her, I think it's a tick-borne disease. And she said, no, they tested him for those. And he was negative. Okay. And I said, well, you have to ask them to send a sample into the lab to get, you know, a PCR, some right. other kind of more accurate testing. Sure enough, the dog had anaplasmosis. Oh, really? Nice. And so you have ones well, where yet. they... Compared to what it could right. have been. <laughs> well, you have ones where they test positive and they don't have the disease, or they test negative and they do have okay. the disease. So... These things are not easy to diagnose, and I would not, you know, even if you came in with a dog who's limping and the dot turns blue and you say, well, sure looks like it's Lyme disease, maybe, okay. maybe, I would I would not make a firm diagnosis based on that test alone. Okay, so then you'd draw a sample of blood, because it's going to cost more money, again, and then send yes, it to the so lab. Then for Lyme disease, the confirmation test that is done is called the quantitative C6. And it basically will give you an actual number and it will say, well, your dog actually has this many antibodies against Lyme disease. Okay. But even so, you still have to answer the question, my patient has XYZ symptoms. Are these symptoms being caused by Lyme disease? Okay. Because Lyme disease itself has very a very classic presentation. Okay. So it the whole thing is very confusing. Yeah. Um, I'm confused. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Doesn't take much, though, but I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, and and it's I I think that those tests are not helpful. I see a lot of dogs who go in every spring. They test positive for for Lyme every spring. They're given thirty days of oh, doxycycline. Yeah, and you know, like what the heck? That's that's not real medicine. Nope. So um, I don't know. I you know I at this point I've been doing this for long enough, so the symptoms kind of give me a good clue. Okay. Um. I don't always test my patients. 
uh, for something like Lyme disease because the symptoms tend to be pretty clear. Okay. Uh, and then I don't use antibiotics in treatment. I just have much better success with homeopathic remedies. Okay. Okay. And so that's the 4DX test that you're talking about. Correct. Okay. Now, the other thing about heartworm is that heartworms are carried by mosquitoes. Correct. The test for heartworm can only detect worms that are at least six months old. There have to be at least two of them, and they they have to be females. Really? So if you have heartworms, but say you have four male worms, okay, your dog will test negative. Wow! And how do you how do you decipher uh, uh, mm-hmm. if it's a male worm or a female worm by what bathroom they come out? Of? I have no idea. Okay, just how they just think, just check. If it. the test turns positive, it's it picking may- up females. <laughs> and so that's interesting. Yeah. So sometimes I get contacted by people in like October, November, and they're like. Oh my gosh, I didn't do the heartworm test this spring. Uh, I'm going to do it now. And I always recommend, you know what? Just wait till spring. Uh-huh. We have six months without mosquitoes right. every year. Yep. And so in the spring, you get a clear test. So if your dog is positive, then you know you feel more confident that it's positive. Okay. Whereas, you know, say, say you've been through the whole summer. Say your dog got heartworm in August. Here it is October, and you're you're doing the test. Right. Even if your dog has heartworm, he's going to test negative because the worms are not old enough. Oh, okay. The worms have to be at least six months old. Wow, I didn't realize that. that Boy, crazy? He came to work, pay to come to work today. I'm learning st- new stuff. Okay, we're going to come back. Okay, what was uh, what kind of pipeline was installed in Wacken, Germany? Okay, what do we got? Uh, liquid hydrogen pipeline, a corn syrup pipeline. Uh, beer pipeline or a marshmallow pipeline. Be back.